Hi, my name is Alan Carter. I'm the president and CEO of Cabral Gold. We have an advanced exploration project in Brazil uh, called Cuyu Cuyu. We're in a region called the Tapajos, which was the site of one of the world's largest ever gold rushes. And we have uh, two gold deposits with resources totaling almost 1.2 million ounces. And we've made two discoveries in the last 12 months. Alan, thank you very much for the introduction. Good to be talking to you again. Um, <clears throat> You say you've made two gold discoveries in the last couple of um, last twelve months. Uh, it's been a hell of a, uh, a difficult gold market for actually for two years now. I mean, when it was, your share price, I think, peaked in the middle of um, July twenty twenty, and um, almost every other, uh, and it's been downhill since then. But that's been the case for the entire gold sector, and almost every other gold uh, company has come down over the last two years and yet you've been making dis discoveries through that i mean first of all let's talk with the, about the bad news about the share price and about that market you know how has that felt from from your your position uh merlin it's uh, it's true it's been an extremely challenging uh last 12 months um um, it's very, very difficult because we've added, uh, we think, a lot of value to our project. We've expanded the resources. We've made several new discoveries. We've outlined a lot of oxide mineralization on surface. We've had spectacular drill results last year. We put out 29 press releases. Many of those were with, with some excellent drill results. So, so to see the price down at these levels is um, um, it's galling to uh, uh, to put no finer point on it. It's uh, you know, it's it's um, it's been a very very tough market. Um, you know, so I think the flip side of that though is that um, there are some fantastic opportunities out there in our sector right now, and I suggest to you that Cabral is one of those. I mean, you know, I'm an investor too, so I have my checklist just like we all do. There's certain things that we all look for. Some of us look for put more emphasis on certain things, but. But I'd suggest to you that certainly for for for, for myself, um, as you know, I put a lot of money into this. So um, I think the fundamentals of this company are extremely strong. In fact, they're stronger than they were, significantly stronger than they were 12 months ago. So there is an amazing opportunity. I mean, the, the market has actually, uh, kind of, it feels as if the market has bottomed out. The gold price is recovering. It's back up, you know, knocking on, you know, above 1850, 1860. It's, 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 it's a really strong uh, feeling to the beginning of 2023 this this current gold market you're you're not alone in that exploration has been disregarded and the valuation of many exploration companies has been crushed over the last 18 months um what are the what kind of things what kind of catalysts do you think are going to in, in the context of understanding that the gold price is positive, stable to to, to good? Um, what are the kind of catalysts that you feel would trigger a revaluation of, first of all, any gold stock? You know, what what is the market looking for? And then specifically, how does that? Uh, how, how do you play into that with um, Cabral? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's take the first point first, Merlin. I mean, it is great that the gold price has recovered about. Two hundred and fifty dollars, um, and I looked at it this morning. It was about eighteen seventy-four, so it's it's up from about sixteen twenty at the beginning of November dollars an ounce. Um, so, but in large, you're starting to see some of that speculative money coming back. But the problem that we had last year was speculative investments were 
definitely out of flavor and it by the way it just wasn't it wasn't just gold expiration stocks it was anything that was a speculative that didn't have cash flow um, investors fled it and share prices are down across a whole series of, of different sectors in fact most sectors were speculative so what changes that I think is continued improvement in the gold price if the gold price continues to go up there'll be this cascade in interest and money from the gold price into major gold companies through the mid-tiers and finally it will arrive in the junior companies and obviously the juniors is where you get the most le leverage you know a lot of juniors go up just like we did in 2020 we went up by eight times in the space of a few months um uh, so yeah i think continued improvement of the gold price i think you've got now we're in a high inflation environment for most places around the globe i think if that continues People are talking about recession. That is all traditionally uh, in the past has been very good for gold. Uh, obviously, there's quite a lot of political um, instability around. Um, the war in Ukraine will keep playing to to that. So, uh, look, I think, um, and I think some of the some of the issues that the cryptocurrency space has had also play very well for gold. So, I think the fundamentals for gold this year look extremely strong. How that plays into Cabral is, I think, investors who are now looking at investing in the more speculative exploration space, and the gold uh, exploration space, which is where we are, are going to be looking for companies that have a, a significant asset. So we check that box. As you know, we've just up updated the resource. We've got almost 1.2 million ounces in combined inferred and indicated resources. They're going to be looking for projects that have a significant upside. As I said, we've made several discoveries, so I think we check that box too. They're going to be looking for companies with significant news flow. Um, we put out 29 press releases last year. I have no idea how many we will have this year. They're going to be looking for companies where management has a significant stake. As you now know, I'm the largest shareholder in this company, and I put $2.8 million of my own money into this. So I'm aligned with shareholders. I'm aligned with yourself. I'm aligned with other people. Um, you know, um, I eat, sleep, and breathe this. They're going to be looking for companies in good jurisdictions. Brazil's a jurisdiction where we can work um, 12 months of the year. There is no winter period where we stop drilling. Um, they're going to be looking for teams that not only have exploration success, and we've made uh, five discoveries as a management team in Brazil in the last 20 years, but also companies that can raise money. And we have raised money even during difficult periods. Um, so you're, just, you're, you're, you're completing a capital raise at the moment, aren't you? Or you have well, completed? We had a capital raise uh, open, um, and we got the first tranche done. So we announced a two million dollar capital raise in November. We got the first tranche done of about one point two million. Um, we did not complete the second tranche because what happened is we ran into a wall essentially of selling which was related to the tax loss selling season where people can act, offset the tax losses by um, the, the tax gains by uh, selling um, stocks which which have dropped and so we fit in that category and in, in uh, late November early December we traded um, around about 15 million shares a massive massive amount of shares um, so you know um, we're going to wait and see how things progress obviously our industry and our subsector, the exploration sector, how aggressive you are as an exploration company depends on your access to capital. And frankly, 
it's been extremely difficult, as you well know, Merlin, in the last 12 months or so, to raise money. And that dictates how aggressive you can be with your exploration program and what you, what you do going forward. So, you know, um, we're all very interested to see how the next few days and weeks will shape up. But hopefully 2023 will be a lot better than 2022. And with that $1.2 million in the, in the kitty, does that, um, presumably the, the tank was um, pretty empty when you, when you did that capital raise. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've, screw, we've had to screw things right down, right? So um, we've had to suspend the drill, drill program. Uh, we had five rigs um, in the second, operating at Kuyu Kuyu in the second quarter of 2022. We've got, now gone to, down to zero and we're conserving cash as you might expect. And, and, and that, I think, is being very cognizant of what the market conditions are and the extreme difficulty in raising capital. Now, as you said, things are improving. It's a little bit early to say how things are going to go, but certainly the jump in the gold price all goes well for, I think, the next few months. But um, it's early days. So. I, I know it's, it's it's difficult to talk about, but you've you, you've done the previous capital. So this unit was done at twenty cents. Yes, what was the previous one done at, or the previous two or three? Can you remember kind of the the, the prices that those previous two or three? We did one early in the year at thirty um, in July, and the, the one in the middle of last year was at fifty four. So it's been a a downward trend, which, as I said, is pretty galling given the excellent draw results that we've been having and. And the um, and the discoveries we've been making. I mean, just the appetite got steadily worse um, during the during last year. I'm, I'm not making excuses. I'm trying to explain why the share price, our share price, has performed badly. And as I said again, and I can't emphasise this enough, I'm the biggest shareholder in this company, so I have a massive number of shares. I put in an awful lot of money, which for me is in most of my net worth is invested in this company. I'm, I'm 110% committed. But, um, you know, the, the appetite for speculative stocks, as I said earlier, not just exploration stocks, but junior tech stocks, junior pharmaceutical stocks. I mean, it, it's just not been there over the last last sort of six to nine months at least. Um, <clears throat> when, you, when one looks at the QQ kind of um, your portfolio, uh, you know, from the outside, I see three things. Well, I see the, <clears throat> I see the the kind of the district scale play with the exploration across a large area. I see the um, the small scale. You know, at the, at the other end of the scale, I see the two hundred fifty thousand ounces, two hundred forty thousand ounces sitting in the oxide blankets, and then in between, I see the million ounces or so um, of kind of a. Um, um, kind of a, a, a relatively advanced exploration on those kind of those key structures. How are you going to juggle those assets to kind of get out? Because it, 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 at the moment you're kind of waiting. You know, you, it's, it's almost as if you haven't got enough capital to create the next value breakthrough. Um, you, know, you haven't got the, the, the enough capital to do the whatever it is, the, the, the right study or the, 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 the new phase of exploration that's going to deliver the, the kind of the, the wake-up drill hole? Um, yeah, it's, it's a good question, Merlin. Uh, so, so look, the premise that the vast majority of junior exploration companies use, that we've used, is um, let's raise some money, let's drill, let's make a discovery, let's grow that discovery, let's expand that resource, and uh, the share price will move up. And it will in a rising market. You can do that. 
The problem is that over the last few years, there have been very few periods where the market has been rising. There have been some periods, but they've been short-lived. Yeah, there's that window in 2020, you know, right. Now, the unfortunate thing for, as I said, this isn't just specific to junior exploration companies. I mean, the same in, uh, if you're trying to find the next, um, uh, you know, blockbuster drug for a junior pharmaceutical company. It's the same thing. You have costs, ongoing costs, and you have no revenues because you're doing research and development, in our case, exploration, which costs money to drill holes, obviously. Uh, and, and, you know, you need to pay geologists, we need to pay our listing fees, press release fees, all sorts of stuff. Um, so the, the model I've just described, which is followed by the vast majority of companies, and we have followed previously, is fine in rising market, but we haven't had a rising market or very short-lived periods where the market's been rising. So this, we now have an opportunity to step off that hamster wheel, um, which is, you know, raise money, you dilute your capital structure, you drill, you come back 12 months later, you raise more money, you dilute, et cetera, et cetera. We have an opportunity to step off that hamster wheel because we've got this, unusually for a junior exploration company, we're very fortunate because we've got uh, about a quarter of a million ounces and probably a lot more than that, almost certainly an awful lot more of that, of oxide mineralization. Now, what is that? This is material that's weathered from the underlying rock. The underlying rock has uh, gold deposits within it that we know that form the bulk of the existing resource. But over millions of years, it's weathered in situ. And we have about 50 to 60 meters of weathered material, which is saprolite, mud, soil, sand, sitting above these deposits, which are sat on hilltops. Now, Merlin, that material is extremely, um, because it's weathered and it's soft and you can dig it with your hands, we don't, the mining costs on this should be very, very low because it won't require any drilling or blasting. And similarly, when you think to processing the material, we don't need a big mill with lots of different crushing and grinding circuits on this. We don't need to reduce this hard material to a very fine powder because it's all, nature's already done the hard legwork. Metallurgical results we had last year suggest that that oxide material, which is sitting on surface, um, has very good gold recoveries um, uh, from heat leaching. Heat leaching, as you know, is probably the cheapest way of recovering gold um, and is employed in about 300 mines around the world. So we have an opportunity to get this oxide material into production um, pretty quickly and generate some cash flow, which obviously means that we're not dependent on going back to the market for equity raises and continually diluting the capital structure. Now, we've done a lot of internal work on this um, we are hoping to get a pre-feasibility study done on that idea of pr producing from the oxide material this year. We need a little bit more money. Um, we haven't put anything out in terms of the uh, economic viability of this oxide stuff. But I mean, I think if you look at comparable operations, other companies that are doing something similar, there aren't a lot, but there are a few in terms of the capital costs it takes to put a heat leach thing in operation. Uh, and the sort of money these things uh, can make, the margin on these things, it's, you, you can see that it's an amazing opportunity for us. So one of our key objectives for this year is to actually advance that idea, get that PFS done. Um, it, but as I said, like everything else, it's all, it's all dependent on uh, the availability of capital. So, but, uh, you know, I'm tremendously excited that we have this opportunity to step off that hamster wheel and get in production pretty quickly. The traditional model when 
um, companies can't afford to advance their plans is to to sell an asset or to um, go halves on an asset or um, you know to, to 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 do a deal on some part of their portfolio. Um, um, you know, one is to sell off or farm out some part of it. Or um, I think uh, Rangold Resources, when they were you know getting started in the in the in the late nineties, they they couldn't. Um, fund Marilla, and so they got Anglo Gold in to fund half of the development, well, to fund all of the development and take half of the ownership of the project, and that became the company maker for um, for Rangel Resources. Um, you know, what's the discussion at the board level about? You know how you because you, you you need more money just to just to complete the pre feasibilities. State. So, I mean, so you've got two. You've, you've got two options. One is to sit back and wait in the hope the market recovers and you you can raise money at a higher share price, or you get creative. I mean, what's what's the board level conversation? Uh, we're examining all options in terms of uh, you know financing going forward. Um, I don't think sitting back and doing nothing and sort of sitting on our hands and waiting until the market uh, improves is an option for us. Um, so we are looking at all sorts of creative uh, financing options, um, including um, the disposal of some non-core assets. We have some exploration claims um, that we've done a little bit of drilling on in a, in a couple of places outside of Kuyu Kuyu. The value, there's two things I think on that, Merlin, selling off non-core assets. I mean, you know, it, it's one thing if you've got a resource in a non-core asset, then obviously that has a certain value, but ours are expiration claims. And then there's also, so the value of that, I think you'd have to say would be really relatively modest in the current market. And, and the appetite from larger companies is um, has not been there for picking up these uh, things. Um, it, it, it's strange. You would think that big companies would be better placed than your average investor when the market is negative in terms of, picking up low-hanging fruit, i.e. assets that are out there that are cheap. Um, but um, but most of them seem to be pretty reticent and don't take advantage of the cycle and, and contend themselves with paying much higher prices when when capital is much more available. Um, so, but look, I, I think on, on sort of joint ventures and things like that, um, the issue for joint venturing a project, and I know this because I worked 13 years for Rio Tinto and BHP, and a lot of that time, at least with BHP, I was doing deals with junior exploration companies, and we always wanted a majority interest. Now that's great for if you're, you know, working in a major company like BHP, but it's not so good if you're the CEO of a junior company or you're a shareholder in a junior company. Why? Because the major comes in and pays all the exploration costs, so they pay all your drilling expenses. The junior company sits back and uh, sometimes operates using their money and sometimes just sits back and waits for the reports to come in. But the problem is if you're onto something and you have something of some that is actually going to end up being a significant deposit moving forward, the major will farm in, the major will always want a majority interest, at which point they farm in after two or three years, they end up with control of the asset and then, then basically you, you have no control over what direction the project goes. And, and the way these things go is, the, the major earns in for 51, 60 or 70%. The junior company is left with a minority interest. The major then says, oh, now we're onto something. We want to put a much bigger program together. Your share of this is 49 or 40 or 30% of the cost going forward. 
um, the junior company is not able generally to raise that kind of money. It gets diluted down. And so you basically, the game's over. You can only do that deal once. Um, and, um, and, and I've seen that many, many times. I, you know, I don't think that's a, uh, for most junior exploration companies, I don't think that's a viable route for, for those companies. And, and I don't think it's in the best interest of shareholders either in most cases. No, but if it's a non-core asset and you're so so, I mean the, the the whole the whole thing here is about managing the, the 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 suite of assets you've got to drive value on a per share basis. You've got two hundred million shares out there on a fully diluted basis, near enough. You're going to do a capital raise. You're going to have to do another capital raise, and it's going to have to be done at a price that's going to go up afterwards. You know, you've got to show that there's a value growth. Otherwise, why would people invest? And so, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean, there has to be a plan. I just wanted, you know, um, you've got to kind of give people uh, the, the, the incentive to buy shares in the market now. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the value proposition with Cabral, right? Currently, the market cap of this company is about 25 million Canadian dollars. Yep. We have inferred and indicated resources just under 1.2 million. So if you convert that to a per ounce basis, not breaking out the inferred or the indicated, but just saying, okay, this is the resource they've got. Um, it's about 16 US dollars an ounce. That's what we're being valued out. In fact, in fact, we've got a little bit of cash, so it's more like 15. When you, when you take the cash out of the equation that's currently in the company, it's more like about 15 US dollars an ounce. Um, as I said, the gold price today is about seventeen eighty, something like that. So, um, eighteen seventy. Sorry, eighteen seventy. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> for correcting me. Um, we think that represents an enormous opportunity for most people, particularly given that, that we've got new discoveries where we don't have, where we have fantastic results, but we don't have any resources yet. The resource is certainly larger than it is um, than, than the current resource stage statement suggests. How much larger? We don't know yet because it needs more drill holes. So, so that is very close to historic lows. Um, you know, it has been a much, much higher than that, uh, much, much higher than that, uh, 50 to 100 US dollars an ounce in the ground. A lot of companies uh, um, would expect to trade at least in that range in a rising market, uh, some of them $200 an ounce. Um, so there's lots of upside potential here. The Catalysts moving forward for us are obviously to demonstrate the economic viability of this oxide material um, as quick as we possibly can, show investors that we've got a route for stepping off the hamster wheel so that the share, the capital structure isn't going to be continually diluted. It's not in my interests as the company's biggest shareholder to see the cap structure. I mean, you know, many companies just keep diluting, diluting, diluting. Um, and not worrying about it. That's not what we we are. I am worried about it. This this stuff um, keeps me awake every night. Um, so that's not what we want to do. If the share price starts to improve, we will contemplate raising raising more money that will allow us to get more holes into the uh, deposits that we've got. Get some maiden resources, and hopefully we can get that done at um, uh, this year. Raise money for some additional drilling, particularly at the Mashishi and PDM discoveries, where we've got some amazing holes, Merlin. 
we've put into these two new things. They're only within a couple of kilometers of the two existing deposits. There's, there's two more discoveries there, and we're sort of half pregnant because we've got about six, 7,000 meters drilled in each one. We need another five or 6,000 meters um, of additional drilling in each one to get to a resource statement on both of those. But are there, the results that we put out, um, you know, in the last 12 months on those two new discoveries have been incredible. We just before um, the uh, towards the end of last year, we we reported five meters at 27.6 grams. That's at Mashishi. And that was on top of 6.4 meters at 11.6 grams a ton. That was also Mashishi. I mean, there's a beautiful high grade zone emerging at Mashishi. Um, a, a PDM, we've put out some excellent results too. Not as good, but still 12 meters at 3.3 grams, 18 meters at two and a half. There's definitely some sort of new deposit emerging at PDM. Could be at least as big as Central. Um, you know, I think, I think if the market continues to improve and appetite uh, from investors in terms of our subsector, if you like, the expiration stocks. I think I think Cabral is really well placed for the reasons that I described earlier. You know, management management cash invested, management track record, um, asset upside potential here, jurisdiction, um, news flow, all year round news flow. I mean, these are some of the things that 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 I'm looking for when I invest across this sector. Um, and I think many other investors uh, should be looking for too. The, the, the comment about uh, the oxide blankets, you talk about doing a PFS. Does that mean that you've got an in-house scoping study, uh, uh, a PEA already kind of ready cooked, already baked? Is that something that you could do for a lower cost than a PFS just to hang some numbers on it? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we've doing, been doing quite a lot of internal scoping work that we haven't put it out into the, into the market yet. Unfortunately, I'm precluded from doing so because of the, um, the, the rules. Um, we do want to take that um, work that we've been doing internally and, and, and roll it into a PFS um, over the next few months. That is, that is what we're going to do, what we want to do. Now, I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to guarantee you anything on timing on that, Merlin. All I will guarantee you is that we'll, we'll do that as fast as we possibly can. But again, like everything else, it comes down to access to capital. I mean, people ask me all the time, what's your budget? What's your budget next year? Well, given what I've just discussed and, and I've told you about how difficult it, is, it is, still is to access capital and hopefully improve, I can't give you a budget for the next 12 months, Merlin. I can tell you what the priorities are, but in terms of timing, it really depends on, you know, um, how fast we can raise money and how fast the, the capital markets improve. And let's hope they do continue to improve. Well, just um, run me through those priorities. You know, what are your three, the top three priorities? The top three priorities are to demonstrate the economic viability of the, the oxide blanket um, in terms of um, your PFS. That's, 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 that's definitely a very high priority for us. Um, to continue to expand the resource by getting um, uh, uh, additional drilling done on the two new discovery zones that we've got. And the third one would be um, additional drilling work at the two deposits that we've got themselves. We think there's a lot more gold on the two existing deposits that we've got at MG and PDM. So um, obviously, you know, we're, st we're always looking at uh, disposal deals on non-core assets, but most of our, you know, 99% of our effort has been going into Kuyu Kuyu in the last uh, few years. So uh, we don't want to start parceling that project up.
And you said earlier, that, or just a few moments ago, that the rules preclude you from um, um, publishing anything on the oxides. But you're going for a PFS, but surely the rules are more relaxed for a PEA. Um, you, know, you can use it in oh, yeah. resources. You can do a PEA, but it just, it just, it's just another it's, – it's going to take time out. We want to go straight to a PFS. I mean, you know, and that should send you a message. I mean, obviously, a PFS has a much higher degree of confidence around – the economics of building something. So um, the fact that we want to do that should be should be telling you something. So and and you can't use inferred resources in a PFS. It has to be um, measured and indicated. That's right. That's right. And 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 most of our oxide material, of course, is indicated. And we've got over six hundred thousand ounces of indicated material. I think that's one of the other big success stories from the from the resource uh, the updated resource statement that we put out a few months ago was there was a two hundred and fifty percent growth in the indicated resource base. It went up from about a hundred and I forget what it was, but I think it was about 180,000 ounces, 160,000 ounces to well over 600, just indicated. And there's similar amount of inferred material. Uh, but the, look, the real exciting thing about this company, Merlin, is the upside here. I mean, you know, which I've been harping on for a long time. Um, the, the, the fact that we've got so many different targets here, we've got about almost 50 different targets, many of them with some fantastic drill holes, um, there's a lot more gold here. And we haven't been able to sort of test all those targets because there's just so many of them. But we've got some cracking drill results um, that we've got on a number of these targets. There are almost certainly, and nothing is certain, but, you know, I'm very, very optimistic that there are a number, a whole slew of additional deposits at Kuyukuyu, but, but it's going to take money to determine how large those are and how many of those are economic. Well, let's let's just kind of just throw some numbers out there. You've, you've talked about um, doing another 12,000 metres at Mishishi um, 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 and uh, PDM. Um, and you probably want to do another 5,000 metres on the existing at Central and the, uh, you know, the, 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 the two existing deposits. Um, call it call it 20,000 meters you want to be able to do 20,000 meters so you've got some flexibility to, yeah. to, to 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 juggle that at i don't know at a cost of uh $250 an ounce all in um yeah. you what's that 5 million dollars correct um and then you want to have a buffer of a million dollars and also that will enable you to do the study so you 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 kind of just thumb suck you're looking at doing a 5 or 6 million dollar US raise to kind of really kickstart, and that will give you enough money to uh, tickle some of those, um, you know, to, to kind of keep the, the 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 excitement about the regional prospect, but actually materially advance your nearer term assets. Right. If um, we do all that at the same time, right. And so we we don't need to do that all the same. But yes, that's that's. I think that's a fair fair assumption if we were to do that all uh, all that at the same time. Yeah. So, so I, I think I, I cut you off there. My apologies. So, I think the question was most likely going to be: So, Alan, how realistic is that? You know, if you need five, six million US dollars to actually get all these things done uh, and, and and address all the priorities that I've just laid out for you, how realistic is that? Well, look, I think that's an extremely difficult nut to crack, given the current market, Merlin. But as you very well know, and as most people who've been investing in this space know, patience is required, number one. But number two, more importantly, is 
markets turn very, very quickly in the junior exploration space. And so in mid-2021, we did an $11.5 million board deal on this project with this company. And we didn't have all these new discoveries. So the project has got significantly bigger in terms of the ounces we've got in the ground and significantly better in terms of the discoveries we've made since mid-2021. So, and that was the one done at 54 cents? That was done at 54 cents, that's correct. Um, so, you know, things do turn around pretty quickly here. Um, but like I said, that all assumes, of course, that, um, that, that we're able to access that kind of capital. We don't need anything like that amount. And I think your number, your estimate of about a million bucks to get the PFS done is probably about right. Um, something like that. If you look at similar companies that have done PFS studies, uh, that were in all likelihood, if we were able to do that, would get us to a construction decision on QUQU, on the oxide material at QUQU very, very quickly in the next few months. And so what, what does that mean? Well, that means, well, hang on a minute. Now he's telling me that um, there's a good chance they could be uh, constructing here in relatively short order and jumping off that hamster wheel much, much quicker than, um, than you know, is normal, i.e. most mines take several years to build for a small little oxide operation like this. I mean, we could be, uh, we could be generating cash very, very quickly, which, of course, would mean that we wouldn't be able, we wouldn't be continuing to dilute at, uh, you know, whatever the market price was at the time. I mean, that's, that's the frustrating thing I, I think we've been discussing over the last half an hour is, um, you know, you can have with a junior exploration company, you can have all this fantastic exploration success. But if the market is uh, negative, which it has been, most months have been very negative um, over the last sort of several years anyway, you have no, no control over your cost of capital. Why? Because when people are fleeing the sector and prices are dropping, you, we still have to raise money to pay our costs, keep ourselves afloat. Um, and, I, you know, I think there's people have been frustrated and disappointed. And I understand that. I myself have share all of the same emotions that um, other investors have. However, as I said, there is a flip side to that. And that is there's an amazing opportunity in this sector right now. It will recover. Hopefully, what we're seeing in the last few weeks is the start of recovery, but it will recover. And when it does recover, or no, prior to that recovery, you want to be, as an investor, positioned in stocks which have strong fundamentals. And I think, I firmly believe that Cabral has those strong fundamentals. And um, what I would like to see in your presentation materials is just, just you know, riffing on the back of... Um, what you've just said, and the fact that before this interview, I went and I looked through your presentation. Um, what I'd like to see is um, more um, comparable analysis of, you know, more worked examples of what these kinds of assets, you know, what what valuations were achieved in transactions of companies with these kinds of grades and resources what um to, you know just just to um you you talk about uh a, a an ev of 15 or 16 dollars per ounce but i'd like to see more worked examples of you know th these companies were bought out at this price and th these companies uh achieved this just just to reinforce that that message that there's a value proposition here and also 
um, with the oxide operation, you know, these kinds of companies, this is the, the kind of figure that these were just, just, I, I think the market needs um, more education and the more you can put out there, the better. Yeah. Look, Merlin, I think that's a good point and, and I take that on board. Um, yeah, we probably um, could do a better job of uh, comparing our valuation with others and, 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 and uh, I'll take that on board. But I think, look, look, it's not really rocket science. I mean, gold price, the gold price right now is at, uh, as you said, is at about 1870. We, our gold in the ground, is being valued at less than one percent of that of the value of gold right now. Less than one percent, significantly below one percent. We're about fifteen U.S. dollars in, an ounce in the ground, and as I said, gold is trading at about eighteen seventy. So it's it's more like actually about 07 percent, which is extremely extremely low. But um, but look, yeah, point taken. I mean, I think. But, I think but just just you've you've just got to keep repeating that that value growth and and, and the milestones, the, the 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 those milestones that are required to unlock that value or to kind of reduce the discount because that um, the, the the value of eighteen dollars seventy is for the finished product, you know, which is out of the correct. ground. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. But still. I mean, that's absolutely right. You've got all sorts of costs to build an operation to get it out of the ground. You've then got to mine it. But, but, but still, I mean, this is a tiny, tiny fraction of, of the value of the finished product, a tiny, tiny fraction. And, uh, and under most circumstances, most market conditions, that fraction would be much, much higher. So that equals opportunity. I think, I think, look, if anybody remembers anything from this, um, from this little podcast we're doing here, I think the key thing is here, I've got $2.8 million of my own money into this company, which for me, I'm not Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates. That's a massive amount of my, what I, my net worth, my savings, my wife's savings. You know, I'm all in on this. And I, I, so I actually disagree. I don't think that's the key point. What I do you think, think the, point, Merlin? I, I think the key point is, I mean, I, I, it's, I mean, it is important that you put that money in there. I think the the key point is articulating the strategy from taking it from sixteen cents to thirty two cents. It's articulating those value uh, milestones that you're going to be able to deliver, and demonstrating that growth of potential, and then getting people to back you in it. It's admirable that you've put the money in, but I don't think it's the key point. Well, let's, let's agree to disagree, because I think if you've got if you had that kind of money at risk at something, it just drives your behavior. You think about nothing else. All you think about for 24 hours a day or your waking hours anyway, is how you're going to make the company a success. And that feeds into what you've just said. I do. I do think an awful lot about how best to articulate the strategy of the company, what the milestones need to be, et cetera, et cetera. The, the big issue with that is, you know, timing um, is something that's very difficult in, in some respects to nail down because it's all about having access to capital in order to complete those, those milestones or execute on those things. But um, let's agree to differ then. But, uh, but for me as an investor, it is. I mean, if I, if I look at a company first thing I look at is management ownership and, and, and not just management ownership because a lot of people take shares for, for nothing 
from day one. It's what management's actually invested cash. How many dollars have they put in relative to, you know, their net worth? Anyway, um, like I said, let's agree to dis- differ. Good. So um, the, the, the plan in the short term is, um, remind me what the kind of the plan in the short term is and, and, and how you're going to be tackling the first half of this year. Okay. The plan in the short term, as I said, is continue to demonstrate the economic viability of these blankets. We've got some fantastic metallurgical results from last year. You know, um, I've told you that we want to get this pre-feasibility study done. That is, that's very important for us because that would then allow us to make a construction decision, hopefully in the next few months, on that oxide material. It's very, very important. Secondly, um, we are going to um, continue to talk about the value proposition in the company and the fact that, you know, we are trading at about 15 US dollars an ounce in the ground. Um, and if, uh, if the share price starts to move up, we will look hard at raising additional money through equity in order to fund that additional drilling that we need to add ounces at the resource base level. Um, we will continue to look at um, deals on non-core assets as well. But those are essentially what we want to do um, in the next few months and the key catalyst. What's the, uh, what's the audience like and what's the reception like with um, institutions, with funds? Uh, well, it has been extremely, um, extremely difficult. Most, most funds, the institution money has largely dried up. Um, we have raised a little bit of institutional money in the last few months. So there are some people, some fund managers that actually recognize there's a massive opportunity um, with with these sorts of valuations and are buying, but but most are not. Most are are still sitting on their hands. I, I think that is starting to change, though. Um, I, w- I will say over the last sort of week or two, um, I have noticed that there's there seems to be more of an appetite, and of course that's being driven by um, the decline in in things in other investment classes and and the rise in the gold price. A $250 rise per ounce in the gold price um, has caught a lot of people's attention. Like I said, I mean, it's in two months, it's gone up a lot. Um, and who knows what it's going to do going forward. But I, I think, as I said earlier, I think the fundamentals for the rise in gold price are, are pretty strong. So yeah, I think institutional money is starting come, to come back into the into the junior resource stocks. My um, uh, feeling is that um uh, I, I'm sure you'll be able to do an incremental kind of million dollar raise, but I almost feel as if just it's time to rip the plaster off and put ten million dollars in and really hit it hard. Yeah, um, yeah, and I'm sure um, you know if we were to raise money, if I announced a financing tomorrow, saying, "Hey, we're going to do a financing at ten cents," there'd be a, an awful lot of appetite. Um, but you know that the the dilution to the capital structure would be, I think, unforgivable. Um, so, and, and that's not something I want to do as, as, the, as the company's largest shareholder. And I, I don't think that's something um, our investors want either. But um, yeah, we would get an awful lot done. But, but look, um, I think the lessons I've learned and what I would suggest to your, your readers or your viewers is that you have to take a long-term view when you're investing in speculative exploration stocks. If you listen to smart people like Rick Rule, Ross Beattie, these are guys who made, you know, billions, literally, from investing in, in, in this sector. They'll tell you that you need to have a long-term uh, view. If you want to make money in 12 months or 6 months or 18 months, you might make money. You may, but the chances are you're going to lose. Why? Because these cycles uh, tend, you tend, people tend to get crushed in these cycles. 
If you think the fundamentals of a company X, the one that you've invested in, are uh, strong, and you, you continue to believe in the original reasons you invested in a stock, then you need to be prepared, I think, in this sector to be holding that stock for between five and seven years in order to get that gain that you're looking for, which is 10 times, five times, 10 times your original investment. I mean, if you sort of in and out with short-term views, you may get lucky, but chances are you're going to lose more than you're going to win. Whereas if you invest in stories that are fundamentally strong with assets, good management teams, um, lots of upside, good jurisdictions, and you've got that sort of longer-term view, in my view, it's much more likely you're going to win. Good. Oh, well, I would add that you need to be properly um, um, have a properly strong balance sheet as well. So, absolutely. Um, well, that comes with management, right? I mean, so yeah. ab- absolutely, you do. Yeah, yeah. Good, Alan. Um, good luck with the next. It's, it's still tough, but uh, it feels as if the um, the market's on the move. So, I look forward to seeing how you uh, manage your way out of the out, out of the doldrums and into the sunny uplands. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Merlin. Thanks for your time.